the Sports Report, where we talk all things sports all the time, at least most of the time. We have a good time doing it, too. Oh, a lot to get into today. A lot. There's always, that's the one good thing about doing a podcast. That's one of the many good things about doing a podcast about sports. There's always material. Always. There's a lot to talk about, whether it's free agency, postseason, preseason, offseason, workouts, injuries, trades. You got a lot of material you can talk about. And with that being said, let's jump right into something. A little, it's kind of getting overlooked a little bit with the NBA season going underway, with the MLB season, regular season fast approaching, with obviously the Super Bowl and college basketball. But one thing we really kind of just stopped talking about is college football. Now, being in Oklahoma, there is a little team here called the Oklahoma Sooners. And even though they've taken a turn for the worse, in my opinion, over the last couple of years, they're still a solid football program. Uh, just going full-blown full homer here. I think they're a pretty darn good football team, football program. But what I want to dive into today a little bit is Lincoln Riley leaving and Brent Venables becoming the head coach. And it's kind of, it may be beating a dead horse, but I really haven't gotten, I haven't given my two cents about it. And I'd like to kind of dive into that a little bit. And really, one key thing is a good question is, and there's a lot of them, is who turned out, who got the better end of that deal? Lincoln Riley leaves after the 22 season, 21, 22 season. OU goes to the Alamo Bowl, Holiday Bowl, Alamo Bowl. It looks like at the end of that bowl, that Caleb Williams, pretty good chance he stays. Everyone's shocked. Oh, my gosh. Lincoln Riley is the devil. I hope bad things happen to him and his family. I mean, you just heard a lot of really bad things, a lot of immature things. But that's what college football does to us. It brings out sometimes the worst, almost always brings out some immaturity. But it looks like Caleb Williams stays, and then obviously he doesn't. And it was a whirlwind. Caleb Williams enters the transfer portal. Is he going to stay? And... Then all then Dylan Gabriel comes in and we're like, oh good riddance, Caleb Williams, because Dylan Gabriel's a lot of drunk OU fans. Like, oh Dylan Gabriel's already the proven thing. He's already so mature. I'd rather have Dylan Gabriel. Uh uh-uh, not this guy. I definitely I definitely wanted uh Caleb Williams. That being said, Caleb Williams follows Lincoln Riley and a lot of OU fans, good riddance, have fun. And they did. The USC did. They had a lot of fun. Had a pretty nice season. It looked like uh, it looked like they're gonna have a pretty nice season. They're one win away, more than likely, from the college football playoffs. The team that temporarily quickly became my second favorite team, the Utah Utes, beat them twice that year, and it was glorious. It was it was so awesome. And they don't. They go ten and two that year, eleven and two. I think Utah beat them a second time in the Pac-12 title game. Keeps them out of the college football playoffs. OU stumbles, pukes down their leg, goes six and seven, and it is looking disastrous. 
So after one season apart from each other, I would have said that USC, Lincoln Riley, got the better deal. OU looked like Brent Venables at the time, looked like he was in over his head, doesn't really know what he's doing. He's a good rah-rah guy, motivator, leader of men, but I don't know about a good coach. But then year two comes around. And before the before the season started this last year, I thought OU will go nine and three at least, eleven and one at best. I settled at ten and two. I know there's no legal way to prove this, but I couldn't have been more right. And so OU goes ten and two and didn't look great. They didn't look they looked solid, but yet again, lack of defense rears its ugly head. And a lot of OU fans give some excuses, injury here, give them another year, we have new guys, they're young. That's fine. But you know what? OU didn't have, OU had a couple of injuries, but there's never a time where you don't have an injury. There's never a time where teams go a whole season and don't have some key injuries, and OU is not the exception. Danny Stetson rolled his ankle in Kansas in the rain. Um Oh gosh, the starter. Who was the who was the guy that started at the cheetah position for the first couple games? It looked super promising. The guy who left and came back. I'll we'll figure it out. He he's he gets lost uh, second game of the year out for the season. They are very young. Peyton Bowen's young. Looks looks really good. Freakishly athletic. Good tackler. Good tackler in space. There's some reasons. Uh, to be excited. Desan McCullough seems like the real deal. And yet they underperform. <coughs> Excuse me. They underperform yet again. Year two, everyone said, oh, you're going to see tremendous growth from year one to year two. I didn't see it. I didn't see the tremendous growth I was hoping for. I saw the inconsistencies. I saw the lack of coverage, the breakdown in coverage, the how do you how does a wide receiver run that far open? How does no one cover him? I saw that over and over again. I saw that from game one to game twelve. Heads rolled, Ted Roof's gone. Enter Zach Alley. So I don't know. I think there's still a lot of question marks. A lot of question marks at OU, specifically the defense. OU goes 10 and 2 in the regular season the regular season last year and then they lost the bowl game and it was hard to watch but I don't I don't give a lot of stock in the bowl games even if OU wins obviously you want to win your bowl game but there's so many these days there's so many players sitting out there's so many players distracted there's so many players who have entered the transfer portal that are sitting out for a reason or another. There's so many coaches who, who if nothing else, are distracted because of interviews, job offers. Hey, if this guy leaves, talking to his agent. If this guy leaves, you know, I think you should get an interview here. So best case scenario, it's a lot of distractions for these teams. OU, OU as well. They lost their OC, Jeff Levy, to Mississippi State. Not sad to see him go at all. I think he's one of the more overrated coordinators in college football, and I will stand by that. I think his time at Mississippi State will show that. We'll get into that later. But I don't want to say good riddance. He might be a great guy, but, man, I'm okay that I'm okay that he's gone. So enter Seth Luttrell, 
to call plays for the Alamo Bowl. Okay. Eh. I mean, you have two, three weeks, four weeks at the most to prepare in the game plan. You've never done this before. you never worked with your quarterback. you never worked with Jackson Arnold before and vice versa. They seem like they're all right. They like each other. Had nothing but good things to say. What else are you going to say? I, I don't like him as much as Jeff. I wish Jeff would come back. Thinking about leaving, to be honest with you. No, you say the nice things. You go through the motions. You you give the lip service. So, anyway, I, I, I'm getting distracted. Arizona also had a lot of players sit out. They're also a young team. They're also an overachieving team. And, hey, guess what? Coach Fish leaves for Washington. So I guarantee there was some stuff brewing below the surface there, too. So both teams were distracted. It wasn't the, wasn't the OU was depleted and distracted and Arizona's focused. I think if OU and Arizona play, I think I think Arizona wins six out of ten times. So, two whole seasons at OU, eh? Not impressed. Not impressed at all. And and look, as OU fans, we've been so spoiled to a lot of ten and two, eleven and one seasons, and getting our butts smacked in the playoffs. That's how. That's our life as OU fans. We know what it is. We have a pretty nice regular season. Frustrating at times, lose to at least a team, if not two, that we shouldn't lose to. And we go to a pretty nice bowl, maybe a New Year's Six Bowl. Sometimes we sneak in the playoffs and we get beat by 30. We know our place. But let's look at USC in year two. And I, you know, I for everything I've heard, and I don't have tremendous sources or anything like that, Alex Grinch is a very nice guy. He's a player's coach. Obviously too much. Because that dude cannot coach defense. I think he'd make a nice defensive backs coach. I think he'd make a nice, maybe a defensive analyst who doesn't leave the film room. But I don't think he's a defensive coordinator. Not in the not, not in the Big 12, not in the Pac-12, not in the Big 10. Maybe a group of five school. Maybe he can go do that. Maybe a scheme works when their jimmies are better than your Joes, so to speak. But I don't think he can coach defense. I, I certainly don't think he can coach defense at a high level in a big-time conference. But Lincoln Riley, stubborn, maybe, loyal to a fault, yeah. Sticks with Alex, Alex Grinch. And, man, they go, what was it, 7-5? and five? They lost five of their last seven games. They won their bowl game, 8-5. and five. But, I mean, I think most people would have said going into last year that without a doubt, without a doubt, USC was, I mean, I would think at least expected to make the college football playoffs. Worst case scenario, a New New Year's Six Bowl. And they beat Louisville. And they shouldn't have, record-wise, I don't think they should have even been in that bowl game, but they were. And then they show that they should have because they beat them 42-28. So a little generous in the bowl there. It's just how things work out, conference matchup-wise and stuff. 7-5. and five. That's rough. When you have Caleb Williams, who played, as far as I know, he played literally every single game. And let's also be honest, 7-5 and five was squeaking out a win versus Colorado, was squeaking out a win against Arizona. In double overtime, when they had no, they had no business being in that game. That game should have been over. 
So let's not act like seven and five, but they easily could have been nine and three. No, they could have easily been five and seven. And Lincoln Riley goes through the same old, same old, oh, those bunch of guys that are disappointed. None of them, none of them thought we'd lose this game. None of them want to lose this game. And it goes through the same thing. Hey, I'm, we're all fighting our tails off. We're going to have to go in there and be better at coaching, be better at playing. This, this is on me. Almost like he literally is a robot on repeat. Oh, that one's on me. I've, you know, we've never lost this many games in season. Um, basically tooting his own horn, humble bragging. Is it, is it humble bragging? He didn't do a lot of losing at OU. He didn't do a lot of losing at OU, but you know what? Seven and five is not going to cut it. And and at the end of the year, I mean, he just completely revamped his coaching staff, at least on the defensive side. Here's why I don't think it's going to work out for the defensive coaching staff at all. One. You have the head coach from North Dakota State, national championship coach. He comes in, is it Ertz, Entz? He comes in to coach the linebackers. Ton of experience. Ton of experience. And he's named linebackers coach slash assistant head coach. Okay. It's a, I mean, that on the surface, it looks like a great hire. Then you also, he also brought in, and I forget, I forget the names. Reading over the articles today, he brought in coaches with tons of experience to coach the defensive backs, the defensive ends, to be defensive analysts. Tons of experience, tons of age. And it looks like on the surface, like it's a a Pro Bowl selection of defensive coaches. But there's one mistake he brought in. Is it Danton, Danton Lynn? Last name is Lynn. He brought him over from across the street at UCLA. And you might think, well, that's not bad. UCLA had a really overachieving, but a a really good defensive year last year. And they did. They absolutely did. But Coach Lynn has a year of experience. He has one year of experience. Now, all these guys that Lincoln Riley brought in, he, he hit home runs as far as hiring big names. But all these guys are aspiring to use this as a springboard, in my opinion. They're they're using this coaching opportunity at USC because it has a lot of national attention. Oh, USC's a powerhouse football program who hasn't had a good defense in a while. So they want to be the guy who comes in and helps turn this defense around. And they very well could. I don't think they will. I think it's going to be a dumpster fire, at least defensively. Because they're all using this as a springboard to go get a D.C. job or a head coaching job. Coach, the, the, I think it's Entz. The coach from North Dakota State is using this, and I don't blame him, as a springboard to get to a better job. He was at North Dakota State for a very long time, won national championships there, and he left to be the defensive line, the, no, excuse me, the linebackers coach at USC. A lot of egos in that room. And you expect them to answer to a first-year defensive coordinator under 40? You expect them with their decades of experience between the defensive backs coach, the linebackers coach, the assistant, DC, all the defensive analysts, the defensive ends coach. You expect them to come and and answer to a first-year guy? I don't. I don't think that goes over well. 
I don't think it goes over well. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a train wreck in LA. My personal opinion. We'll see. Maybe not. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll go really good because they all they want it to work so bad because they want they want a job, they want a DC job, they want a head coaching job. Maybe they want it to work so bad they're willing to sacrifice egos this year and just make it work. Yeah, because that's what football coaches are known for is putting their ego to the side. That's rare. That's when something special happens, but that's rare. I'm gonna take a drink here. Hold on. Yeah, that's – we'll see. To be honest with you, I don't think – I don't think OU's – I think OU's kind of got the opposite problem. I think bringing in a 21-year-old coach from South Alabama, Zach Alley – he's not 21. He's, he's 33, 34, 32. I think he's – I actually think he's a really good coach. I've read a lot about him. I've seen him in action. I think he's a really good coach who connects really well with his players and gets the most out of his players. That being said, he's 32. It's going to be some growing pains in my opinion. He's coming from South Alabama to OU. Oh, and by the way, OU's first year in the SEC with bigger, faster, stronger, better athletes. This is not South Alabama. This is the SEC. This is going to Georgia. This is going to Alabama. This is big boy football. This is big stuff. But I think OU has the opposite problem that USC had. USC had a tremendous offense and an ugly defense. Whereas this year, this last year, OU had a really nice offense too and an awful defense. But here's where I think it's different. OU is bringing in Seth Luttrell. He's been with the program for a couple years now. I think this is going into his third year with OU on this staff. He knows Brent Venables very well. He knows a lot of these coaches. He knows the he knows the strength and conditioning coordinator very well. So there's a lot of connections there. He's an OU guy. Seth Luttrell, a fullback at OU. Loves OU, wants to see it succeed. I do think it's a little different. I think OU is going to have some growing pains. They have a nice, they have a pretty nice non-con schedule to open it up. It kind of ramps up. That being said. I think it'll be growing pains, but man, I don't think Jeff Levy could have left town any sooner. Every single pun intended. I was so happy to see Jeff Levy go, and I know it's easy to say that now that he's gone. There's a good chance, oh man, I wish Jeff Levy would come back. I, I know, and I'm saying that, risking that we're going to miss him because he did have a pretty nice offense. It was a top 10 offense. It was number 14 last year, number 7 this year. In total offense, nice numbers, good numbers. But the guy brought with him some headaches. When you bring your father-in-law, Art Bryles, with the, with, with the baggage that Art Bryles has, and you bring him onto the field after telling your AD and your head coach that it wouldn't happen, then it happens. And then your excuse is, well, listen, he's the grandpa of, of my kids. That's their granddad. I'm married to his daughter. It's going to happen. doesn't work. You're going to ruffle some feathers doing that. <sighs> Doesn't work. But that that aside, I understand Jeff Levy's numbers were really good. His offensive numbers were really good. His offense was weird to watch. I'm, and what I mean is, yes, you hit the home run passes a lot. They hit some nice passes over the middle. 
But my gosh, the play calling, especially when they had a 10 to 14 point lead or more, the play calling got so lackluster. They left so much meat on the bone. My brother-in-law had a, and I had a joke. And it wasn't a joke. It was ridiculous. Here's their play call. On any given drive, if they're in the second or third quarter with a lead, run left, run right, pass over the middle, three and out. That was their play call. Run left, run right, throw over the middle. And to really spice things up, sometimes they'd say run right, run left. Really switch that up. Then throw it over the middle. And half the time they threw it over the middle, Drake Stoops was the hero. He'd catch it and just get destroyed. Drake Stoops gets he gets tackled harder than any other wide receiver in college football. That dude can take a hit. I mean, much respect to Drake Stoops. That guy can take a hit. Drake Stoops is what, like, all the guys who played high school football, and then that was it. That's what they that's what they think they that's what they wish they could have done. Walk on low you, earn your scholarship, undersized, work out. Hey, he's Rudy. He's OU's Rudy. Except he's his dad's a multimillionaire and a hero, and Drake Stoops walks in anywhere and gets a job immediately because his dad's Bob Stoops. He's like Rudy, but like with privilege. Drake Stoops can take a beating. I've never seen a guy get tackled that hard and not die. But anyway, that was Jeff Levy's play call. Run right, run left, throw over the middle. And then he really switched up and do some jet sweeps. And he'd get a little jet sweep happy too sometimes. Man, his offense could get stagnant. And it could get so frustrating to watch. I'm not going to miss that. You think you're going to go into Mississippi State and pull out 8, 9, 10 wins? You're not. Not without offense. He'll, he'll have some athletes on defense. He'll have some guys who want to play for him on offense because his numbers are gaudy. They are. But they're not that gaudy. And Mississippi State fans are in for a little bit of a surprise because you look at his numbers and, oh, my gosh. I mean, he walked into OU and immediately was the number 14 defense. And then the next year, even more growth, number seven defense. Ask any OU fam. They'll tell you, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine with him leaving. I'm good with him leaving. That's fine. We'll take our chances with Seth Luttrell. Right or wrong, we'll see. May bite you in the butt as an OU fan, but I'm okay with it. Scary part is Jeff Levy got to have all of his numbers, his offense go against Big 12 defenses. And now Seth Luttrell's coming in and he's going against, my opinion, the best defensive conference in the nation, in the SEC. I mean, is the SEC the closest you get to the NFL as far as defenses and athletes? I know we have the XFL and the USFL, and they combine, and they're the US. I don't know what they are. I know there's like a technically another professional league, but let's not kid ourselves. And I don't if if all the fans of this new league will call it the USL. If all the people who watch the USL games emailed me an ugly email, oh, you just don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. That's okay. I can delete 454 emails pretty quickly. I'm all right with that. It's hard to watch. And and I've tried. Man, I've tried to watch that league when it was on the last couple of years. It's just awful. You look around the stadium, it's not 25% filled. It's, It's awful. And maybe it's because it seems like all the teams are from a cheaply made movie. So it's like, well, we're the chipmunks and we're the roadrunners. And it's like you... They don't look like professional teams. But, man, let's not kid ourselves. 
I think the SEC is the closest thing to the NFL. But anyway, I know we're kind of hopping back and forth from USC to OU. I think OU has different problems than USC. I think USC is going to have some issues, too. We didn't even talk about going from the Pac-12, RIP, to the Big Ten. So it's USC, it's UCLA, it's Washington, and it's Oregon are going from the what formerly the conference formerly known as the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, also known as the Big 16. And they're going to go, and now USC is going to go play, go from playing 70 and sunny with minimal breeze to 20, windchill 15, playing in Ann Arbor. Yeah, that doesn't translate. And it will, it will make a difference. We're going to talk about that. It will make a difference. Going from L.A. to Ann Arbor, East Lansing, Columbus. It's, it's going to make a difference. That's not the same. So, oh, they say defense travels, though. So, USC, you're, you'll be all right. It could get ugly. It could get ugly quick. I think OU's got their own problems because I, I have said, and I will and I will get into this uh, maybe next podcast, maybe, maybe in a couple podcasts, from a couple episodes from now. We'll get into this. But OU, OU fans, get ready for a lot of 7-5, and 8-4 and four seasons. Maybe some 6-6s. Six and sixes. But sorry, you go 10-2 and two in the Big 12. I think that translates to, I don't know, 7-5, and 8-4. Because to me, playing in Ames, Iowa is a lot different than playing in, in Alabama. And I understand. I understand why they're going. When, you, when you're a program like OU, you want to play the best. You want, you, I, I don't blame them for wanting double the money. I would too. You want to be able to recruit and, and say you play Alabama. You play, yeah, you're going to play on national TV against Alabama, against Georgia, against LSU, Florida, Tennessee. You're going to play against these guys. They're good. It's the biggest stage. It's the brightest lights. I don't blame them for wanting to go to the SEC. I'm excited for it, but I'm not excited to see OU go 8-4, and 7-5, and 6-6. Six, and that's the future, in my opinion. That's the next at least three to five years for OU. And they're going to take some lumps. It's easy to make fun of Texas A&M and Missouri when you're in another conference. Naturally, as a sports fan, I'm a little bit of a pessimist, but I don't see it going great for a while for OU in the SEC. I think you can get ready for some eight and four seasons at best. Maybe squeak out a couple nine and threes every once in a while, but that's, I don't know, we'll see. A little bit of pessimist when it comes to OU going to the SEC. And like I said, in the next episode or two, we'll dive into that deeper. OU and Texas, who's in better shape going to the SEC? I personally uh, am more of a. I think I think Texas is in better shape, but we'll see. I can I can I'm open to have my mind changed. Can't stand Texas. I hope they go 0 12, but we'll see. I think the biggest difference is I'm. Every sports analyst who has given their opinion probably has said this. I think the biggest difference is the offensive and the defensive line. Because you look at OU's defensive line, you look at OU's offensive line. You got a lot of guys who are 6'4, 305. Then you look at Alabama and Georgia's offensive line, you got a lot of guys who are 6'6, 340, 350. It's a big difference. Some big dudes. 
And not just that, you can be really athletically gifted at 6'2", 290. But still, the guy who's 6'6", 350 is going to win on one-on-one. So we'll get into that a little bit more. I think OU and USC have made out pretty bad after the after the Lincoln-Riley divorce. It's always the fans who wind up hurting the most. That being said, I think they are both have done good and bad. I would I would venture to say I'm more pessimistic about Lincoln Riley and USC, but that doesn't mean I'm super optimistic about OU and their future in the SEC. I just think they have other issues. Different. So we'll see. I think South Latrell has a, is a really good offensive mind. And I think Jackson Arnold is a really good quarterback. And OU has some nice pieces coming back in the running back room. I think the O-line is just razor thin. I think they're really depleted. I think that makes a huge difference. The wide receivers, they're all, they'll be all right. They're going to have some playmakers. They have a couple transfers come in who can, who can make a difference. People forget that Andrew Anthony got hurt several games in. I think he was their number one receiver when he went down. I think he, was he was the fourth or fifth game? Was the Texas game? It was maybe the Texas game. And he made a big difference. He stretched the field. He opened some things up for them. They really missed that. Drake Stoops is great, but he's not the same going over the top as Andrew Anthony. I think OU, I think David Stone makes a huge difference coming in. I think he gets a lot of playing time immediately. I think he's ready to get some playing time immediately. But realistically, OU's got some spots they got to shore up for sure before they do anything in the SEC. I think USC's got a long way to go, and I think they're going to crash and burn on the defensive side. It's been like the last 15, 20 minutes just being a college football nerd. I love it. I love college football. So we'll dive more into that next couple episodes. Also going to get into some NBA. NBA free agent trade deadline. Excuse me. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. I'm in Oklahoma, so obviously I'm a Thunder fan. Really fun to cover them and watch them. It's a lot of fun. I thought they'd be good. I thought they would be good earlier than what most people thought. I did not think they'd be this good this soon. For whatever reason, I was optimistic about the Thunder. As a sports fan, like I said, I'm usually a pessimist. But for whatever reason, I was a pretty big, I was a pretty big believer in the Thunder. Not to this extent. Not number one seed on February 6th. Not Shea Gilgis Alexander being a MVP candidate. And I'll get his name right. His name's Shea Gilgis Alexander. Trying to say it too quick. I think Chet Holmgren is way better than I thought he would be. I thought he'd be pretty good this year, but my gosh, was he averaging like 18 and 9? Dude's really, really good. I do think a, a nice stiff wind blows him away. Like they're gonna have they're gonna have to get even a small amount of muscle on him. That dude is so skinny. Going up against guys like Anthony Davis, yeah, he might break his arm. He might actually break his arm. I think Jalen Williams is a stud. And he looks like he he always looks like he's having fun on the basketball court. Jalen Williams Williams looks like a guy who genuinely just loves basketball. Like maybe even after games, he's playing pickup games of the Y. 
They've been a lot of fun. We'll get we'll get more into uh, the NBA next episode too. But NBA regular season, not my favorite. I think it's the lamest of all the of all the major sports. I think it's the most boring regular season, and I'm including the 162 game schedule of the MLB. But I think it's boring. But I am excited about the postseason. Really excited. I think it's going to be some great matchups. So we'll get into that next episode. I appreciate you guys listening. If you wouldn't mind, follow me on Apple iTunes. Follow me, subscribing. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Sports Report, where we talk